0: Today I'm chatting with my new friend, Mindy, an Austin, Texas based writer, speaker, podcaster, and coach who is basically an inspiring, empowering ray of sunshine. She has faced more than her fair share of adversity in life. She's been bound to a wheelchair for most of it, but she is hell bent on helping you find the advantage from your own adversity while clinging to two truths, things that suck suck, but things that suck won't suck forever. Stay tuned through this conversation, drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to and without further ado, welcome Mindy.
1: Hello, thank you so much for having me
0: yay i'm so pumped that you are here because i think mindy and i were destined to meet because we actually met in passing a few years ago at rachel hollis's rise conference in dallas texas
1: yes (laughs) so she's
0: just a honestly she's a true ray of sunshine and positive Mm -hmm. energy and someone who just kind of radiates those vibes that you know you want to be around so i'm truly stoked and honored to have you here on thrive
1: well, thank you for that. I think my daughter would disagree, but I sure.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, let's jump right in and tell everyone all about you.
1: Oh gosh, um, so well, I'm a um, presently, I'm a motivational speaker, a writer. I wear all the hats. I'm a podcast host, a, a health and accountability coach. And I also just recently started doing a lot, not a live, but a, um, like a guest contributor spot um, or segment on a local lifestyle TV show. So I've got, um, I like to, you know, make people feel sorry for me and tell them that I have like five jobs. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it's truly my dream life. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm living my passions and all of the things that I've wanted to do for so long. And um, I loved the way that you welcomed me because my whole mission really is to really bring positivity and encouragement to anybody who I come into contact with. So, you know, I don't think the world can ever have too much of that. So um, I'm, I'm glad if that's what you're picking up from me. Um, but, you know, it's been a long road to get here. I kind of at the heart of my story is my disability. So I'm in a wheelchair. I was diagnosed with a neuromuscular condition when I was only about 15 months old. Um, it's a condition called spinal muscular atrophy and kind of falls into the bucket of muscular dystrophy is what people tend to be familiar with. But, you know, I always kind of like to tell the story of, (laughs) which sounds really weird to say, but I like to tell the story of how my diagnosis came about. And I'll tell you why in just a second. But, you know, it was kind of, it was a few years ago, I'm not gonna tell you how long ago it was, but, um, you know, it was, it was a while back and not as much was known about my condition back then. And so the doctors told my parents some really scary things along the way. Um, they were told I was already beginning to lose my ability to stand and walk. And they told my parents that I was going to lose all of my cognitive function and that I probably would not live to be three. And so, you know, my parents were in their 20s when they were given this information. They were young parents, you know, just kind of starting out their lives and all of that. And I've oftentimes tried to sort of envision what it must've been like for them to have two small children and to hear that one of them had this condition and to try to figure out what to do about it. Um, They asked all the right questions, you know, medicine, treatments, cures. And the answer to all of that was that there was nothing, which was true. Um, But my dad had been a pretty serious athlete. He had been a football player for the University of Wisconsin. He was scouted by the pros. And so fortunately for me, he knew a thing or two about anatomy and physiology and injuries and physical therapy. And he started to work with me. You know, my parents really decided between the two of them that, you know, if this was how that story was going to go, they wanted to know that they had done everything they could for me. And little by little, bit by bit, I did start to improve and get a little bit stronger. And two out of three of the predictions the doctors made were proven false. And so, you know, the reason I like to tell that story is that, you know, my parents really became my first examples of having hope in the face of what the absolute experts in the country were telling them was a hopeless situation. You know, they decided to try anyway, to do something anyway, and it's it's one of I would say the really big things, the really big pillars in my life that kind of set the tone for for my life and the direction it was going to take.
0: I love that too because you and you and I share the same idea and the same mantra for our lives. But I feel like positivity can get such a bad rap, especially in today's day and age, especially in the speaking world, because you and I have both done motivational speaking stuff. And it can get such a bad rap where people immediately tune out and go, oh, you're just tone deaf. You've never, you've never known hardship. It's toxic (laughs) positivity. It's not, it's, it's just like woo woo pretending that bad things don't exist. And I love your story and that your mindset is the way it is now because it goes to show that no, 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 hard things do exist. That's inevitable for all of us. It's truly just a matter of choosing the perspective that you're going to take with it and doing whatever you can to make every single day you live on this earth as good as it can be. And I mean, you can choose the positive outlook. You can choose that negative outlook. The day is going to happen. So
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you said that because, you know, so often I'll get up and I'll be listening to myself speak, you know, and, and, you know, when I say it or when you say it, it may sound really easy or kind of unrealistic or whatever, but, you know, it's coming from a place of, you know, 30, 40 years of living life and of going through adversity and of figuring out how to make good things come in of adversity and kind of, um, you know, how to use it to your advantage and all of those things. And so now, um, I've got the benefit of being able to, you know, my, my mission is to try to help other people through their adversity, because to your point, we all have challenges and, and stories to tell and hard things that we've been through, and I would have loved it if when I was 23, you know, someone would have told me, you know, more about looking at the bright side and you know, trying to make good things come of bad things and and give me some tangible tips and, and tools for how to make it a little less hard.
0: Mm-hmm. And what I love about you and your mission and everything too is you kind of call people out in like the most loving, mm-hmm. empowering way to uh-huh. cut the crap and take responsibility yeah. for your own life and own your adversity, like what you just said. I mean, it says right on your website, like adversity is not an excuse it's a reason. So yes. can you talk to us more about that and where that came from just the fact that you're using adversity as really kind of a form of empowerment for people versus yeah. an excuse.
1: Absolutely and that's one of the really hard lessons that it took me a really long time to get and one day it just I think you know maybe 2 years ago it just came out of my mouth and I was just like oh Yeah. You know, the fact that I'm in a wheelchair shouldn't be an excuse. And my parents growing up, never let me live my life that way. They expected the same things of me that they expected of my able-bodied sister and, um, and, you know, didn't let me use my limitations as excuses to do poorly in school or to not get a job or, you know, whatever the excuse du jour was. Um, I wasn't allowed to get away with that. And, you know and it's true and and what i've come to realize is that not only should you let these things beat you down and victimize you but you can actually use them to your to your advantage because having a disability has instilled qualities in me like patience and creativity and problem solving and determination and gratitude and all of these things that have sort of empowered me to be successful at the goals that I've set for myself.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's so empowering. I mean, I know, I think you've gone so far. I saw this somewhere on your website where you went so far as saying that you could argue that in terms of your success in life, your adversity of being a disabled person in a wheelchair is the best thing that could have happened to you. And yeah. I want that to sink in for a hot second for listeners because like, wow, how many people listening can sit there and be like, what would some people consider the worst or the hardest thing to have happened to me? And you're sitting there saying it's actually the best. Like that's, yeah. that's such an important and empowering mindset shift right there that you can sit and be like, actually, let's reframe this a second because... Like you said too, we live in a society where people are so quick to to point fingers or place blame or become the victim because I think sometimes being the victim can feel easier in the moment yeah. than becoming the hero of your own story.
1: It's so true. You know, be because I I tell people, you know, why is it I, I ask people this question all the time, like why is it so much easier to um To feel sorry for ourselves and to fall into those victim mindsets than to be positive or whatever. And it's because something that is so inherently bad, it requires effort, you know, to sort of counter the more natural responses and emotions that come along with it. Frustration, anger, sadness, bitterness, you know, all of those things are, you know, they, they live in the camp of victimization. And so to take it and turn it into something else requires so much more effort and so much more intention, but you're going to live a much happier life, I guarantee.
0: And I think that that's almost what people mean, or maybe not everybody, but what people like you and I at least mean when we say things like choose happiness, It's not saying you're just sitting there flipping on a switch going, now I'm happy. Now I'm sad. Now I'm happy. Like, it's really choosing to make such intentional effort beyond where you currently are to push past the very real things like frustrations and angers Mm -hmm. and sadness that inevitably come because of this thing called life that we all live and experience. So it's choosing not just, you're not just choosing the emotion. It's like you're choosing the action that makes the emotion follow almost. Absolutely. And oh my
1: gosh, I'm having all of the thoughts about
0: what you just said, because
1: number one, you're absolutely right. But, um, you know, I do want to point out that, you know, it's not as easy as flipping a sweet, a switch. Mm-hmm. I do believe that you can sort of rewire your autopilot, but it does take intention and a ton of work. I can remember, years ago when I was having a conversation with my mom and all of this stuff had gone wrong. It was kind of one of those periods in life where it was like one thing after another. And um, I had said something negative to her. I can't remember what we were talking about, but I was like, oh my gosh, I need some new thoughts. And it was like right then that I realized I, I made a very active decision. And I think that's what you have to do. You have to decide, do I want to be a happy, joyful, positive person, or do I want to fall victim to, you know, the sadness and the frustration and live out that drama every, every day of my life. And I decided that I wanted to be the happy, positive person that people maybe were going to choose to want to be around. And so, you know, I started doing things like, Um, you know, catching myself, listening to the thoughts that I was having, you know, we've got this loop of, of conversation and thoughts going in our heads all the time. And I started actually listening to what I was thinking. And if I caught myself having one of those more negative thoughts, I would replace it with a more positive one. I also started doing a gratitude practice, but and, and, you know, a couple of other things, but I actually had the pleasure earlier this year of speaking with Sean Aker, if you know who, who he is. He's a happiness yeah, he's researcher, awesome. which is the coolest job on the planet. Mm-hmm. And he and I were talking about gratitude, and I got to interview him for this book that I'm working on. And, you know, we were talking about, what, I asked him, what's the first thing that you would do or that you would say to someone who's kind of parked?" in this victim mentality just to maybe rattle their cage a little bit and he said well i don't know that i would actually rattle their cage he said you know i think it's important for people to hear that it's okay not to be okay for you know it's it's you know you don't want to set up camp there and stay there longer than you know your reservation is booked for but you know, he, I thought they were very wise words. And I do think that it's important to let people know that you do, you know, it's important to feel those things, the frustration and, and the sadness. That's part of the human condition when we've got a problem or something goes wrong, but then, you know, you also, I think Want to have a toolbox full of strategies for getting yourself out of it, and like I said, I think things like a gratitude practice can rewire. Um, and in talking to Sean, the the science is there. You can rewire your brain in about thirty days from, you know, a place of of pessimism to a place of optimism, just by doing a gratitude practice, and I think that's really powerful um, because you know, you, I don't know, I don't want it to have to be this difficult, intentional choice that I have to make every single time, I want it to become my default behavior. And so I chose to do things like, you know, gratitude practices, I'm starting to sound like a broken record, but, um, you know, things like that to rewire my thinking a little bit so that when something went wrong, my, you know, it would, it would maybe be a faster trip through the sadness to get to a place of, you know, sort of constructive, um, response to whatever was going on.
0: I love a couple things that you said there. One being the, the imagery of being parked. Because I love, you're absolutely right in that it's completely okay to not be okay. We've all been there. We will all be there again in the future. Mm -hmm. It's more about not letting yourself stay parked there and making sure that you still hit the gas pedal on your life to keep moving forward the way that we all need to. So it's like absolutely feel the feels and do what you have to do to move forward beyond that. So I always, I always remember that growing up, even like dating, if I was having a breakup or something, you know, like overly traumatic teenagers go through <laughs> and I would be so upset. And my mom would always be like, okay, get five minutes. You can feel all of the feels, like sob your eyes out, wallop, yes. sit in it, feel horrible. But then what are you going to do about it? Like yes. you can't, you can't cry forever. Like this yeah. something's going to happen after this. So let yourself feel it, but then put a stop to it. And now you have to decide what's going to come next or what yeah. you're going to do next to move forward in a way that's not just wallowing in your self-pity.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I know people whose most comfortable place in life is victimhood, you know, and that's, that's where they are the most comfortable. It's the most familiar to them. And that's scary to me you know, to, to think that there's the potential for that, because you just, you know, if that's what you let be your default safety or comfort zone, you're gonna miss out on so much. Um, and it just, it makes me really sad. And I wanna just mention my parents again, because they really sort of started my um, appreciation of gratitude when i was just a kid because i could come home on any given day crying about one injustice or another you know not i couldn't keep up with the kids on the playground or somebody had made fun of me or who knows what and my parents you know they were sensitive and you know and and listened and let me cry it out but they also told me in those moments to count my blessings you know, and so I, and I, I've said that in a number of talks and things that I've given, and I always have parents come up to me and say how valuable that is and how they're going to incorporate that into their own parenting. And I just think that it's, it's such an important thing for kids to hear from a very early age, you know, not to, you know, suck it up and get over it, but to recognize that they're actually really fortunate and, you know, ask them to go ahead and name some things that you have that you're thankful for. And I really did grow up knowing how, how, how much I had and how much worse other people's problems could be.
0: Mm -hmm. It's so true. How, I, I would love to hear your, your tips or advice for, If listeners can maybe do like a quick self-evaluation after tuning in today to see where there might be room for improvement in their own lives, maybe if there's some personal responsibility that can be taken where blame was otherwise being placed Mm -hmm. or, you know, where there's just space to step up and stop victimizing yourself. Do you have any tips that people can kind of use to go back in their brain and be like, all right, am I being a victim or is this something that I'm justified in feeling right now or whatever and moving past productively.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. How long do we have? I have <laughs> like 27 things are coming to mind. So let me see if I can pick a couple of them for you. Sure. Um, one of the things that I've started doing in workshops is this quick activity where I have, it's like a two-part activity And I have people write down at the top of a sheet of paper who I am. And I have them list three things, three events from their life that they can remember that were hard, that they had to get through. You don't have to write a novel, you know, car accident or lost my job or illness or, you know, whatever it was. And then I ask them to sit for a couple of minutes and for each one of those things, I have them identify the skills or the characteristics that it took to get through those things. Did you have to be patient? Did you have to problem solve? Did you have to be compassionate? Did you have to be forgiving? Did you have to be determined? You know, And just make a big laundry list for each of those three events. And then on another sheet of paper, I have them write at the top of the paper who I want to be and i have them list the names of depending on how much time you've got and how many people you know i have them list the names of two or three people that come to mind who they've seen walk through something difficult who they admired you know the kind of the way that they went through their situation and then the same thing for each of those two or three people i have them write down the skills or the characteristics again that they observed in those people and I tell them to hang those two sheets of paper up somewhere where they can see them because what you end up with is a list of who you already are like that first piece of the exercise those things are in you you've got those things ingrained and embedded in you and you can invoke them anytime you need to to get through something hard the other page is you know what you aspire to be and i think it's important for us to see that and maybe visit it every day or every so often so that it's in the forefront of my mind of our minds and when something tough does come up you think about the okay so i saw joe go through this thing and he was an incredibly supportive partner Um, to his spouse through it. And that's who I want to be. And that's what I'm going to do. You know, does that make sense?
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So that's kind of thing. Number one that I think you could do. Um, The other thing that I just, it's, it's not exactly. um, Well, it's kind of a thing that you could take away and do right away, but it's more of a philosophy. I talk a lot about accountability in response to adversity and, you know, there are things in life that happen to us that are random. And, you know, my disability is a good example of that. Nobody caused it. Nobody asked for it. Um, but there are other things that we do that, you know, contribute to some of the things that we experience. We don't pay enough attention to our diets maybe and cause health problems for ourselves, or we say the wrong thing at work to our boss and create a problem for ourselves there, you know, any number of things that I could list there. And it's easy to look at that second bucket and say, well, sure, you know, take responsibility and, you know, own it, apologize, do whatever you've got to do to fix it. But I believe that in that first bucket as well, whether you had a hand in what's happening or not, I think that you can own your response to whatever the situation is. Um, And that's when you kind of can pull yourself, I think, out of that victim parking space, you know, and look at, you know, okay, I didn't cause this. I didn't ask for it. But what am I going to do about it? You know, because that's what really matters. And that's what people are going to look at and remember how you may have responded to something, not necessarily what the thing was that happened to you.
0: So good and so true. And I feel like that's relatable for hopefully, or probably everybody listening, seeing as we've all faced a pretty uncontrollable, unpredictable thing, COVID-19. Yes. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> like, it's, I'm sure every single person person listening can think back and think of at least one thing, if not a whole handful of completely uncontrollable, completely unpredictable things mm-hmm. that many might say happened to you and i'm sure you and i have heard this before since we went to rachel hollis's conference but something she's always said that i think tony I robbins know. probably started was probably. about uh things happening for you not to you yeah, and being able to really reframe and be like you know what yes this happened to us but it might also be happening for you which also ties back to what what you had said in the beginning Um, And what you always say about how you are as successful as you are today because of your adversity and not necessarily despite it, but because of
1: it. Yeah. And, you know, I I hope that I don't make people angry when I say this, but I say it with the best of intentions and all the love in my heart. You know, I, I keep hearing... People talk about 2020 and using words like dumpster fire and disaster and, and things like that. And there's no doubt about it. It has been hard and people have gotten sick and people have lost their lives. And there are some tragic things that have happened this year. I, will, I, I, I do not dispute that. And I don't want to diminish any of the struggles that anyone's been through but i think that our words have power you know and when we talk about this you know an entire year of our lives as having been a dumpster fire i think it does a disservice to so many of you know, the, the good days that we had or the good things that came about our abilities to reconnect with our families, our abilities to slow down our abilities for our employers to see that, hey, telecommuting works, you know, and people are just as productive or to see how strong they are in the face of really hard things. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of good that can come of this year if you let it. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. I think that you have to let the the hard pieces of 2020 be what they were, and yes, they were hard. But I think that there's all there, there's also some good things that came about for all of us if you let yourself see them.
0: Absolutely. I was just talking to someone the other day about this on for an episode of Thrive and she she made the statement you have to have a breakdown to have a breakthrough yes and that was like it that was amazing because like you said everyone and their mother is saying how horrible 2020 was just write it off the calendar for of life for good yeah but like you said even if even if you had the worst year of your life There Mm -hmm. was still a good day in there somewhere or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is where that work comes into play and that effort that you were talking about earlier. Because it might take sitting down with your planner from the year and going through page by page to see what happened, who you talked to, and just how you felt every day to find something good. It might not be you just sitting there going, wow, this happened and this happened and it was the best financial year of my life. And I traveled so much and did all of these wonderful things. Like we all know that probably didn't happen, Mm -hmm. but it's like, you can still find the good that took place or that you made happen or that you felt or whatever with some effort, (laughs) some elbow good.
1: Even if all you did was get through it, I mean... I think that says a lot about you and your strength and your resiliency and your your determination. And, you know, again, this is a year that has been hard and has challenged all of us. I'm a person who is I'm, I'm at one of the at risk people you know my my condition I've already got a compromised respiratory condition and so COVID would not be a good pairing for me um not that it's good for anybody but it would be extra bad for me and so I have pretty much been quarantined since since March um you know I I can remember you know two trips to to cbs that i've taken to get a couple of things from the pharmacy um but honestly i can't remember much else that i've actually gone and done outside of the house and that's hard you know it's it's really really hard but at the same time i started this year as a speaker and a writer and i'm finishing this year as a speaker a writer a podcast host a coach and a guest on a, a local TV show. So, you know, there's good that's come out of it for me. And it did take work. And it did take a lot of reflection and intention to make something good come of all of this. But I'll be darned if I'm going to let 2020 take me down.
0: Mm-hmm. And I love that you said, too. Even just getting through it sometimes is the, the successful point. Because if you can get yeah. back at the end of this year and you still have hope, for 2021, for the future, mm-hmm. for whatever, then 2020 didn't beat you because you're still able to sit there and you're still able to have hope. You're mm-hmm. still able to choose to see some good. You're, it didn't take your perspective. It can't take your perspective. It didn't take your hope. Like it didn't take some crucial parts of you that are really important for your own resilience and for what you choose to do next. So, yeah. it, so it can take some things undeniably so and obviously so, but it can't take everything. There are some things that you hold on to that you have the power to give it away or not.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. If you woke up this morning, you've, you've got something to be grateful for. So, you know, don't let that be for nothing, you know, look at your life and look at, where you are today and where you want to be, and start chipping away at it. Um, and and like I said, you know, choose choose what your response to 2020 is going to be. And I don't, you know, we walk kind of a fine line between positivity and maybe shaming some people who have, you know, maybe maybe used the word dumpster fire to um, to describe 2020 but you know that those may be the words that you chose yesterday choose different words today choose a different outlook today you know every day every moment that we're here we can make a different choice um and that is the power that we have
0: absolutely i love to um i mean you mentioned how COVID affects you personally and everything and it must take—I'm sure—it takes so much courage on your part too to just live your daily life and to keep going when you know that there is something going on right outside your house that would have a really serious, horrible impact on yeah. on you. And I know you've shared your thoughts on courage uh, so beautifully and eloquently before, especially as they relate to the pandemic and how it affects you. And I know. Um, I know you've said courage means knowing the danger, acknowledging it and accepting it, and then tipping your hat and dismissing it so that you can get on with more constructive things Yeah, and that it's found in the effort you exert. So, and I love that. How do you think our listeners can muster up more courage today to make today's hard things? And I mean, tomorrow's unknown things just a little bit easier to face.
1: Yeah, I think, um, there's, um I'm trying to remember the actual quote um I think I think it's John Wayne who has my favorite quote um actually John Wayne and mandy Hale um I've got kind of two favorite quotes about courage. Mandy Hale says it's okay to be scared, being scared means you're about to do something really, really brave, and then um <laughs> I'm going to butcher it, but John Wayne said something like, um, you know, courage is the ability to be afraid, to be scared, but to saddle up and ride anyway, something like that. Uh, And yeah, I don't, there's, there is nothing wrong with being scared. There's absolutely nothing wrong. I don't think with being afraid, we are all going to naturally be afraid of things and, And you're right, COVID initially for me, I was terrified. I was having like some symptoms of, um, I don't think that it was exactly PTSD because we weren't post COVID yet. Um, But I was having nightmares about being Wide awake and having to get put on a ventilator, and you know having things shoved down my throat, and you know I was I was living out this fear of what was going to happen to me if, um, if I were to get COVID, because as careful as we were being, we still have um, you know caretakers come in and out of my house to help me with things. We've got groceries coming in, you know, there's just certain things that you can't avoid and it's scary. And I finally told myself that, you know, what was going to be, was going to be, you know, and I'm, I'm not a person as much as I say that it's okay to be, to be afraid. And I think that in a lot of cases, fear can drive us, you know, starting your own business. Um, My whole past two years of being an entrepreneur, I have done so many things that have terrified me, but I've actually come to realize, this will make you laugh, if I have a thought in my head, um, I've got a good friend who I text all the time and I tell her I just had an idea that scares the pants off of me, I should probably do it, huh? (laughs) And so, and I think that some of the biggest risks that we take reap the biggest rewards and you know i'm not the first person to say that but i have lived it and it is 100% true i'm not telling you to be irresponsible or you know you know spend your life savings trying to start up a new business or anything but i'm saying that a little bit of fear can be a really good motivator and it can it can drive you to do some things that Um, are pretty amazing. And I don't think that it's necessarily about the fear. Again, I think it's about your response to the fear. And that's where courage comes in. And if you do something despite your fear, um, that's something to be proud of.
0: Absolutely. Ain't that the truth? Speaking of truth, uh, your your own podcast is called The Truth About Things That Suck.
1: Which yes.
0: I love. <laughs> so, Mindy, what is the truth about things that suck?
1: Oh, gosh. I think the truth is that there, I say actually in the opener to the podcast, I think that there are two truths. And it's actually, it's also Sean Aker who taught me that two truths can be, or two very different truths can exist at the same time, and they can both be true. You know, and so I believe that the first truth is that things that suck, suck. <laughs> they just do, you know, the, the challenges that come our way, the adversity that we face. It's not fun. Um, and I don't think it would be any of our choice to live out a lot of these things. But I think the second truth is that, well, there might be three, three truths. <laughs> the second truth is that they won't suck forever. Um, and then the third truth, if I'm really going to push the envelope, is that there are, like we've been talking about, there are so many beautiful, amazing things that come out of adversity. Um, there are lessons that they, that we learn. There are people that we become, um, and there are outcomes, you know, that maybe our adversity steers us toward that we never would have. Um, that we never, never would have occurred to us to try for. So, you know, so yeah, I think that those are the three very most bottom line truths about things that suck. <laughs> <I'm
0: all there. laughs> Mindy, I want to get things wrapped up by asking you a question that I ask all guests who come on thrive. Uh-huh. Uh, and that is what does thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life?
1: I think that, thriving is just kind of being your best self, you know, and, and there are so many areas where we can do that, you know, in our health, in our finances, in our business, in our families, our parenting, um, you know, and, and so I think that if you just make your goal to, to do your best, to try, you um, you know, I think you're only failing when you stop trying. And so, you know, if you, like I said, if you, if you give your all to, to the things that you do, if you try, if you, you know, I would say stretch a little bit every day, I think that, that you can't help but thrive.
0: I love that. You can't help, but thrive. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on thrive with me. Oh today. my gosh. Thank you
1: for having me. This is so much fun.
0: Yay. Tell everyone where they can find you online and connect with you further.
1: Absolutely. So my website is Mindy Henderson and my Instagram handle, I try to make it simple is also at Mindy Henderson speaks. Um, I'm on Facebook. You can just search me by Mindy Henderson. I'm on LinkedIn. I am all the places and my podcast, the truth about things that suck. You can find on pretty much any podcasting platform. So wherever, wherever you like to listen, you can find it.
0: Wait, before you go, if you like what you just listened to, drop us five stars on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. And if you're on Instagram, snap a screenshot and share to your story with what episode you're tuning into and tag me at Erica Laganza with what part resonated with you the most. That way I can see what's helping you and your friends can pick up a helpful tidbit too. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.